Act One of Psyche by Moliere, translated by Charles Heron Wall. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Persons represented. Jupiter, read by Alan Mapstone. Venus, read by Eva Davis. Cupid and Love, read by Thomas Peter. Zephyr, read by Alan Mapstone. Egyal, a Grace, read by Caroline. Faini, a Grace, read by Sandra Schmidt. The King, read by Alan Mapstone. Psyche, read by Lian Yao. Aglora, read by T.J. Burns. Sidipe, read by Sonia. Cleomenes, a prince, Psyche's lover, read by Major Toast. Ashenor, a prince, Psyche's lover, read by Rob Marland. Lycus, captain of the guards, read by James Curran. River God, read by Alan Mapstone. Cupid, read by Eva Davis. Flora, Read by phone. Vertumnus, god of trees and fruit. Read by Nemo. Palemon, god of streams. Read by Alan Mapstone. Nymph, chorus of divinities. Read by Avai. Woman. Read by April 6090. First man. Read by Nemo. Second man. Read by Stefan. The King. Read by Alan Mapstone. Stage directions read by Todd. Prologue. The front of the stage represents a rustic spot, while at the back the sea can be seen in the distance. Scene 1. Flora appears in the center of the stage, attended by Vertunus, god of trees and fruit, and by Palamon, god of the streams. Each of these gods conducts a troop of divinities. One leads in his train dryads and sylvans, and the other river gods and naiads. Flora sings the following lines to invite Venus to descend upon earth. The din of battle is stayed, the mightiest king of earth his arms aside has laid. Of peace is now the birth. Descend thou, lovely Venus, and blissful hours grant us. Vertumnus and Palamon and the divinities who attend them join their voices to that of Flora and sing the following words. Chorus of divinities of the earth and streams, composed of Flora, nymphs, Palamon, Vertumnus, Sylvans, Fauns, Dryads, and Naiads. A, a peace profound we now enjoy, and, and games and bliss without alloy. Earth's mightiest king has given us rest, to him be praise and thanks expressed. Descend thou, lovely Venus, and happy hours grant us. Then is formed an entry of the ballet, composed of two dryads, four sylvans, two river gods, and two naiads, after which Vertumnus and Palamon sing the following dialogue. Yield, yield, ye beauty stern, to sigh tis now your turn. See you the queen above, she comes to breathe soft love. A fair one stern for I, ne'er wins a faithful sigh. 
to woo has beauty arms but gentleness hath greater charms to woo has beauty arms but gentleness has greater charms seek not your hearts to shield to pine is law and ye must yield is aught more worthless born than hearts that love will scorn a fair one stern for i ne'er wins a faithful sigh to woo has beauty arms but gentleness hath greater charms to woo has beauty arms but gentleness has greater charms flora answers the dialogue of vertumnus and palamon by the following minuet and the other divinities join their dances to the song does wisdom say in youth's heyday sweet love forgo be up in haste these pleasures taste of earth below youth's wisdom too is love to woo and love to know if love disarms it is by charms so yield your arms twere madness gainst his darts to seek to shield your hearts whate'er the bond of lover fond tis sweeter chain than freedom's gain venus descends from heaven attended by cupid her son and two graces called agile and fene and the divinities of the earth and the streams once more unite their songs and continue by their dances to show their joy at her approach chorus of all the divinities of the earth and the streams a peace profound we now enjoy and games and bliss without alloy earth's mightiest king has given us rest to him be praised and thanks addressed Descend thou, lovely Venus, and happy hours grant us. Venus, in her chariot. Cease, cease, all your songs of joy. Such rare honors do not belong to me, and the homage which in your consideration you now pay me ought to be reserved for lovelier charms. To pay your court to me is a custom indeed too old. Everything has its turn, and Venus is no longer the fashion. There are rising charms to which thou all carry their incense. Psyche, the beauteous Psyche, today has taken my place. Already now the whole world hastens to worship her, and it is too great a boon that, in the midst of my disgrace, I still find someone who stoops to honor me. Our deserts are not even fairly weighed together, but all are ready to abandon me, while of the numerous train of privileged graces, whose care and friendship followed me everywhere. I have now only two of the smaller ones who cling to me out of mere pity. I pray you, let these dark abodes lend their solitude to the anguish of my heart, and suffer me to hide my shame and grief in the midst of their gloom. Flora and the other deities withdraw, and Venus with her retinue descends from her chariot. Scene 2. Venus, Cupid, Agile, Fene, Cupid we know not what to do goddess while we see you overwhelmed by this grief our respect bids us be silent our zeal would have us speak speak but if your cares would please me leave all your advice for a fitter time and speak of my wrath but to own me right that was the keenest insult my divinity could ever receive but revenge i shall have if gods have any power your wisdom your discernment are greater than ours in deciding what may be worthy of you yet methinks a mighty goddess should not thus give way to wrath 
that is the very reason of my extreme anger the greater the brilliancy of my rank the deeper the insult if i did not stand on so lofty a height the indignation of my heart would not be so violent i the daughter of the thunderer mother of the love-inspiring god i the sweetest yearning of heaven and earth who received birth only to charm i who have seen everything that hath breath utter so many vows at my shrines and by immortal rights have held the sovereign sway of beauty in all ages i whose eyes have forced two mighty gods to yield me the prize of beauty i see my rights and my victory disputed by a wretched mortal shall the ridiculous excess of foolish obstinacy go so far as to oppose to me a little girl shall i constantly hear a rash verdict on the beauty of her features and of mine and from the loftiest heaven where i shine shall i hear it said to the prejudiced world she is fairer than venus this is the way with mortals this is the style of mankind they are impertinent in their comparisons in the century in which we live they cannot praise without insulting great names ah how well does the insolent rigour of these words avenge juno and pallas and comfort their hearts for the dazzling glory which the famous apple has won me i see them rejoicing at my sorrow assuming every moment a cruel smile and with fixed gaze carefully seeking the confusion that lurks in my eyes their triumphant joy when this affront is keenest felt seems to tell me boast venus boast the charms of thy features by the verdict of one man was the victory made over us but by the judgment of all a mere mortal snatches it from you ah that blow is the direst it pierces my heart i cannot bear its unequalled severity the pleasure of my rivals is too great an addition to my poignant grief my son if ever my feelings had any weight with you if ever i have been dear to you if you bear a heart that can share the resentment of a mother who loves you so tenderly use here your utmost power to support my interests and cause psyche to feel the shafts of my revenge through your own darts to render her miserable choose the dart that will please me most one of those in which lurks the keenest venom and which you hurl in your wrath see that she loves even to madness the basest and lowest of mortals and let her hear the cruel torture of love unreturned in the world nothing is heard but complaints of cupid everywhere a thousand freaks are laid to my charge and you cannot believe the evil and the foolish things which are daily said of me if to assist your wrath begone no longer resist your mother's wishes use reasoning only to find the shortest method of offering a sacrifice to my outraged glory let your departure be your only answer to my entreaties and do not see my face again until you have avenged me cupid flies off and venus withdraws with the two graces the scenery changes to a large town with palaces and houses of different architecture on both sides of the stage. Act One, Scene One, Aglora, Sidippi. My sister, there are sorrows which are rendered greater by keeping them to ourselves. Let us speak freely of our joint distress, and give vent in our conversations to the poignant grief which fills our hearts. 
we are sisters in misfortune and your heart and mine have so much in common that we can unite them and in our just complaints murmur with common lament against the cruelty of our fate my sister what secret fatality makes the whole world bow before our younger sister's charms and how is it that amongst so many different princes who are brought by fortune to this place not one has any love for us what must we see them on all sides pressing forward to lay their hearts at her feet whilst they pass our charms slightingly by what spell has heaven cast over our eyes what have they done to the gods that they are thus left without homage amidst all the glorious tribute of which others proudly boast can there be for us my sister any greater trial than to see how all hearts disdain our beauty and how the fortunate psyche insolently reigns with full sway over the crowd of lovers who ever attend her oh my sister our fate is enough to bereave one of reason and all the ills of nature are nothing in comparison <sighs> at times i can almost shed tears over it it takes away my happiness and my rest my constancy finds itself powerless against such a misfortune my mind is forever dwelling over it and the ill success of our charms and the triumph of psyche are ever before my eyes at night unceasingly comes to me the remembrance of it and nothing can banish the cruel picture as soon as sweet slumber comes to deliver me from it it is immediately recalled to my memory by some dream which startles me from my sleep that is just what i suffer from my sister all that you say i see myself and you depict everything that i experience well let us discuss the matter what all-powerful charms have been bestowed upon her tell me how by the least of her looks she has acquired honour in the great art of pleasing what is there in her person that can inspire such passion what right of sway over all hearts has her beauty given her she has some comeliness some of the brilliancy of youth we are all agreed upon that and i do not gainsay it but must we yield to her because we are her seniors by a few years must we therefore consider ourselves quite commonplace are we made so as to excite derision have we no charms no power of pleasing no complexion no good eyes no dignity and bearing by which we may win hearts do me the favour sister to speak to me frankly am i in your opinion so fashioned that my merit is below hers 
And do you think that she surpasses me in her attire? You, my sister, by no means. Yesterday at the hunt, I compared you and her for a long time, and without flattery, you appeared to me the more beautiful. But tell me truly, sister, without blandishment, am i deceiving myself when i think that i am so framed as to deserve the glory of a conquest you my sister you possess without disguise everything that can excite a loving passion your least actions are full of a charm which moves my soul and i would be your lover if i were not a woman whence comes it then that she bears off the palm from us that at the first glance all hearts give up the struggle and that no tribute of sighs and vows is paid to our loveliness all the women with one voice find her attractions but small and sister i have discovered the cause of the number of lovers she holds in thrall i guess it we may presume that some mystery is hidden under it this secret of captivating everybody is not an ordinary effect of nature the thessalian art must be mixed up in it and doubtless someone has given to her a charm by which she makes herself beloved my opinion is founded on a more solid basis and the charms by which she draws all hearts to herself are a demeanour at all times free of reserve caressing words and looks a smile full of sweetness which invites every one and promises them nothing but favours our glory is departed and that lofty pride which by a full observance of noble trials exacted a proof of the constancy of our lovers exists no longer we have degenerated and are now reduced to hope for nothing unless we throw ourselves into the arms of the men yes that is the secret and i see that you understand it better than i it is because we cling too much to modesty sister that no lovers come to us it is because we try to sustain too strictly the honour of our sex and of our birth men nowadays like what comes easily to them hope attracts them more than love and that is how psyche deprives us of all the lovers we see under her sway let us follow her example and suit ourselves to the times let us stoop sister to make advances and let us no longer keep to those dull morals which rob us of the fruits of our best years i approve of this idea and we have an opportunity of making a first trial of it upon the two princes who have last arrived they are charming sister and to me their whole person have you noticed them oh, 
both are formed in such a mould that my soul hmm, they are perfect my sister i think we might seek their affections without dishonour to ourselves i think that without shame a beautiful princess might bestow her heart upon them here they both are i admire their manners and attire they in no way fall short of all that we have said of them scene two cleomenes agenor aglora sedepi wherefore princes wherefore do you thus hasten away does our appearance fill you with fear we were led to believe madam that the princess psyche might be here has this place no longer any charm for you if it is not adorned by her presence this place may be pleasant enough but in our impatience we would find the princess psyche something very important must doubtless be urging you both to seek her the motive is powerful enough since our happiness depends entirely upon her might we be allowed to inquire into the secret implied by these words we do not pretend to make a mystery of it indeed it would show itself in spite of us and the secret madam does not last long when it is love without further words princess it means that you are both in love with psyche we are both under her sway and we go with one accord to declare our passion to her it is certainly something quite new and rather odd to see two rivals so well agreed it is true that the thing is rare but it is not impossible for two perfect friends in this spot is she the only fair one and can you find none other with whom to divide your admiration amongst all the nobly born is she the only one whom your eyes deem worthy of your tenderness do we reason when we fall in love do we choose the object of our attachment and when we bestow our hearts do we weigh the right of the fair one to fascinate us without having the power of choosing we follow in such a passion something which delights us and when love touches a heart we have no reasons to give indeed i pity the painful troubles to which i see your hearts expose themselves you love one whose bright charms will mingle grief with the hopes they hold out to you and whose heart will not fulfil all that her eyes promise the hope which calls you into the rank of her lovers will experience many disappointments in the favours she bestows and the fitful changes of her inconstant heart will cause you many painful hours a clear discernment of your worth makes us pity the fate into which this passion will lead you and if you wished you could both find a more constant heart and charms as great a choice sweeter by half can rescue your mutual friendship from love 
and there is such a rare merit apparent in you both that a gentle counsel would out of pity save your hearts from what they are preparing for themselves this generous advice shows us a kindness which touches our hearts but heaven madam reduces us to the misfortune of not being able to profit by it your illustrious pity would in vain dissuade us from a love of which we both dread the result what our friendship madam has not done cannot be effected by any other means <sighs> the power of psyche must have <sighs> here she is scene three psyche sidepe aglora cleomenes agenor come sister and enjoy what is offered to you prepare your charms to receive here a new triumph these two princes have both so well felt the power of your beauty that their lips are eager to declare it i little thought myself to be the cause of their pensiveness and i should have expected it to be quite otherwise when i found them talking to you we have neither sufficient rank nor beauty to make us deserving of their love and solicitude but they favour us with the honour of their confidence cleomene to psyche the avowal which we would make to your divine charms madam is no doubt a rash one but so many hearts on the point of expiring are by such avowals obliged to displease you that you have ceased to punish them by the terrors of your wrath you see in us two friends who were joined in childhood by a happy similarity of feeling and this tender union has been strengthened by a hundred contests of esteem and gratitude the attachment of our friendship has been proved in the severe assaults of unfavorable fortune the contempt of death the sight of torture and the glorious splendor of mutual good offices but whatever trials it may have endured today witnesses its greatest triumph and nothing proves so much its tried fidelity as its duration through the rivalry of love yes in spite of so many charms its constancy subjects our vows to the laws it gives us it comes with sweet and entire deference to submit the success of our passion to your choice and to give a weight to our competition which may bring the balance of state reasons to favor the choice of one of us this friendship intends of free will to unite our two estates to the fortune of the happy one yes madam we wish to make of these two estates which we propose to unite under your happy choice a help towards obtaining you the sacrifice which we make to the king your father in order to ensure this happiness has nothing difficult in it to our loving hearts and it will be a necessary gift that the rejected unfortunate should make over to the one who is fortunate a power which he will no longer know how to enjoy princes you both display to my eyes a choice so precious and dazzling that it would satisfy the proudest heart but your passion your friendship your supreme virtue all increase the value of your vows of fidelity 
and make it a merit that I should oppose myself to what you ask of me. I must not listen to my heart only before engaging in such a union, but my hand must await my father's decision before it can dispose of itself, and my sisters have rights superior to mine. But if I were referred absolutely to my own wishes, you might both have too great a share in them, and my entire esteem be so evenly balanced between you that I should not be able to decide in favour of either. I would indeed respond with most affectionate interest to the ardour of your suit, but amid so much merit two hearts are too much for me, one heart too little for you. The accomplishments of my dearest wishes would be to me a burden, were it granted to me by your love. Yes, princes, I should greatly prefer you to all those whose love will follow yours, but I could never have the heart to prefer one of you to the other. My tenderness would be too great a sacrifice to the one whom I might choose, and I should think myself barbarously unjust to inflict so great a wrong upon the other. Indeed, you both possess such greatness of soul that it would be wrong to make either of you miserable, and you must seek in love the means of being both happy. If your hearts honour me enough to give me the right of disposing of them, I have two sisters, well fitted to please, who might make your destinies happy, and whom friendship endears to me enough for me to wish that you should be their husbands. Can a heart whose love, alas, is extreme, consent to be given away by her it loves? We yield up our two hearts, madam, to your divine charms, even should you doom them to death. But we beg you not to make them over to anyone but yourself. It would be too unjust to the princesses, madam, and too poor a tribute to her charms, if we should give to them the remains of a former affection. Only the faithful purity of a first love deserves to aspire to the honour to which your kindness invites us, for each of your sisters merits a love which has sighed for her alone it seems to me princes without any offence that before thus refusing you might wait until our intentions had been declared do you think our hearts so susceptible and tender and when people propose your offering yourselves to us are you so sure of being accepted i think our sentiments are lofty enough to lead us to refuse a heart which wants soliciting and we wish to conquer our lovers by the power of our own merit. Scene 4. Psyche, Aglora, Sedepi, Cleomenes, Agenor, Lycus. Lycus to Psyche. Ah, madame. What is the matter? The king. What? Request your presence. What am I to augur from your agitation? You will know it only too soon. Alas! How you excite my fears about the king! Fear only for yourself. You are the one to be pitied. I can praise heaven, and be no longer anxious, when I know that I am the only one in danger. But tell me, Lycus, what alarms you? Suffer me, madame, to obey him who sent me hither. And I beg of you, learn from his lips what troubles me thus. Let us go and hear what this is, which makes them fear that my courage will fail me. Scene 5 Aglora, Sedepi, Lycus. If your orders do not extend to us, 
tell us what great misfortune is hidden under your sadness. Alas, hear for yourself, princesses, the great misfortune which is known to the whole court. These are the very words which, through the oracle, destiny has spoken to the king, and which grief, madame, has engraven in my heart. No one must think to lead Psyche to Hymen's shrine, but all who earnest speed in pompous mournful line. High to the mountain crest must take her there to await, forlorn in deep unrest. A monster who envenoms all decree by fate her husband, a serpent whose dark poisonous breath enraged ever hold the world in thrall, shaking the heavens high in realms of death. After so severe a decree, I leave you to judge for yourselves if the gods could have manifest their wrath in a more cruel and fearful manner. Scene 7. Aglora Sedepi How does this sudden misfortune into which destiny has plunged Psyche affect you, sister? But how does it affect you, sister? <laughs> to speak the truth, my heart is not very much grieved at it. My heart feels something which very much resembles joy. Let us go. Fate has sent us a calamity which we can consider as a blessing. First interlude. The scenery changes to horrible rocks and shows a dreadful cavern in the distance. It is in this desert that Psyche, in obedience to the oracle, is to be exposed. A band of afflicted people come to bewail her death. Some give utterance to their pity by touching complaints and mournful lays, while the rest express their grief by a dance full of every mark of the most violent despair. Wailings sung by a woman and two men. Ah, weep with me, ye forests, ye mighty rocks of hardest adamant, ye springs, ye beasts, lament the fate of one so fair. Alas, dire grief, without relief, cruel death, fell decree. Of, of sternest, sternest fate, fate that, that dooms to die. Such, Such beauty rare. rare. Oh, heavens high, and stars behold and sigh. My sad, sad lay repeat, ye caverns deep, with notes of sorrow greet, her death, ye mountains steep. Re-echo woods and silent hills, my grief and ye soft, rippling rills. Alas, dire grief, Without relief, cruel death, fell decree of sternest fate, fate that dooms to die. Such beauty rare, oh, heavens high, and stars behold and sigh. Who then, eternal gods, will doom a guiltless maid to lasting gloom? Oh, this thy rigor. Heaven shames hell's unrelenting flames. Cruel will of gods severe. Say, Say why, why this, this hard, hard decree, decree to crush, crush a, a heart, heart so, so free, free 
from guilt or stain? Oh, fell edict, unheard ere this, Thou doomest a maid who showers bliss upon the mortal race. She, the sad earth, would grace, and would give life for pain. All tears are idle, all sighs. Heaven wills it so, she dies. Whene'er the gods their powers wield, all man can do is but yield. Alas, dire grief! Without relief, cruel death, fell decree. End of Act One